Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. You can read all of our stories at 247sports.com and themichiganinsider.com. Uh, check it all out there. We've done a couple podcasts this week, but we obviously write more than we podcast. Should be tons of stuff. If you missed yesterday's show, we talked about the NBA draft decisions and, and some of what's next for Michigan basketball. And obviously earlier in the week, Steve Lorenz and I broke down uh, the defensive positions, the depth chart, the key questions, some of the other remaining notes at each defensive and special teams position group. Steve will be back next week. We'll have a post-spring game uh, discussion talking about some of our takeaways, if, if there are any. If not, we'll we'll figure something else out. Uh, but this this podcast is going to be all football. It's going to be spring game preview. Uh, going to answer some football questions that we got online, and then also uh, take a look at ten things that I'm looking forward to in the spring spring game. Maybe not looking forward to, but that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, I'm also going to have a story that goes a little bit more in detail on some of the same stuff. Maybe I'll mix up one or two things that I'm looking at, but uh, yeah, should be should be a good show. Should be relatively quick. Uh, looking at this, let's let's start with the questions. We'll start with the questions that we got. Brandon Pisarski said it seems really quiet on the recruiting front. A look at the prospect list, and it looks like Michigan is barely in the running for only a few five four stars. Uh, talk me off the ledge. This isn't another 18 class. I'm a firm believer you need a top 10 class every year to go anywhere near the playoff. Uh, good question. We'll get Steve's insight a little bit more in more detail. I will say, you know, Brandon and, and others, if you go back in past years, this is kind of always a quiet time. I, I do think uh, they're still trying to figure out probably some numbers situations, you know, especially, you know, I'm just looking across Cesar Ruiz is some somebody to keep an eye on, uh, you know, the receivers, you know, you're not quite sure who's in, who's out, uh, you know, not quite don't quite know the numbers so that's part of it i also just think this is a slow time of year i know i know bryce marich and, and sam and uh the joshes have been doing a great job with some of their breakdowns on some of the prospects getting offers this and that um so we'll see what steve has to say my hunch is that may is going to be a lot busier because teen schools are interested in in spring practice right now you know that's what that's what their main focus is that's what their time and resources are being committed to and then may and june you know, if it's if we get to June and it's quiet, uh, then that maybe you're you're onto something there. But it just I don't know. If you're asking me, I I think this is not a time of year where recruiting is usually pretty active, anyways. But uh, so that's that. Uh, QED 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 asked, buying a ticket to which game gives me the best chance to see a night game in your opinion? So interesting question. Should be a relatively short answer. I think. I was not gonna be because it's it's a it's homecoming, you know that'd be a big game night game caliber thing. Otherwise, uh, you know Middle Tennessee and Army, I don't think so. I, I think they like the the picturesque you know blue skies, <laughs> fall August and September Saturdays. I, I think until the until they start to schedule those games at night, I think uh, I think you're I think no. Um, Ohio State, I don't think they're gonna put at night. I don't think either team would ever approve of that and i think they have they're able to get out of that second to last week of november clause so that would leave notre dame michigan state and rutgers uh, rutgers might get snuck in there just because the tv people want it at night and i'm not quite sure what the veto power for michigan is uh, you know, there's rumors of a three every two years there's rumors of this and that but it just 
not quite sure what it's going to be. Um, Michigan State, I could see it. Uh, you know, they did it a couple years ago. I don't think Michigan loved having that game at night, and I think they probably have some stats where they could cite, you know, increase in arrests or increased danger. Um, but at the same time, it was pretty fun, I think, for everyone involved. But also, it's worth keeping in mind that game's going to be November 16th, uh, just a different different kind of dynamic. So that would leave Rutgers and Notre Dame. Uh, frankly, I think they both could be night games. You know, I think the TV people, as I mentioned, uh, you know, they, they might be able to control having Rutgers be a night game just so they can get more eyeballs on that game that otherwise people might not necessarily watch. Notre Dame, October 26th, uh, that certainly works from a weather standpoint. I think uh, I'm not quite sure the other games, but they might want to make it the big marquee game Michigan might want to, uh, similar to what Notre Dame did last fall. You know, made it a huge game. Uh, they made it a green out, and it was like this crazy, raucous atmosphere. I heard I heard from people who have covered other Notre Dame games that that was different than other Michigan-Notre Dame games they've been to. So uh, why wouldn't Michigan want to create the same kind of thing? So, yeah, I'd probably say Notre Dame, uh, just because I don't, I don't know what they're going to do for Rutgers. They might stick that thing at noon and get it over with. It kind of depends on how much power Michigan has. I know Michigan, they're starting to loosen up a little bit, but Harbaugh doesn't like night games. Uh, the, the administration doesn't appear to like night games. I don't think they've publicly spoken out against them, other than the safety standpoint. But, yeah, that, those would be my choices, uh, probably Notre Dame being the best bet couple other questions here uh, we answered the basketball one yesterday but uh, um, what does the routine of position groups and players look like between spring and fall camp what are the major NCAA restrictions so I think the restrictions I mean there's that whole practice gate I think it's kind of fuzzy I think the coaches are not allowed to contact like I mean they're not allowed to be on hand other than the strength and conditioning staff um, it's not quite, I know basketball gets some individual workout time. I don't think they get the same for football, but, uh, the general gist, you know, whether it's, you get a little bit or not is that one, you need a great strength and conditioning staff you need, cause that's who spends the most time with the players in the summer and the, in the, you know, kind of the May, June, July period. Um, and I think they really feel like they have that. I think, think Ben Herbert, I think they really like his football know-how uh, along with his intensity and tenacity and some of the things that he can bring you know and they I think they like some of his assistants and some of the other people involved to to help you get stronger in a, in a practical way uh, but it really is on the players you know I think Devin Gardner would always uh, you know whenever he does interviews he always mentions how he and Jeremy Gallon before 2013 season went to Pioneer High School like almost every night it was like their routine and they would just run routes and, and do reps and everything. So I think, I think you know, it's obviously quarterback and receiver can do a lot more than, say, offensive linemen can do as far as training goes. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of strength and conditioning. I feel like Harbaugh, and Steve, Steve has mentioned this before, you know, his kind of recruit is someone who does want to go to the gym and does want to uh, just get stronger. I mean, I think you saw the weight gains last year kind of as, as evidence of that you know and I think it's hard to hard to be this good at football and not work hard but I think there's like a, diff, a type of work hard and I feel like personally it's it's something that Harbaugh's current crop of players 
Uh, I think they're going to be known as kind of the, the gym rat types. And so, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what they do. Uh, I think, you know, one thing, I, if I were a player, I'd make sure the cornerbacks are also involved in some of those those route running things, you know, maybe make some seven on seven games, make it happen. So, uh, you know, I think the more you do, the better, at least as far as that stuff goes, you know, strength and conditioning. I think you don't want to do too much because you don't want your guys exhausted when they, when practice starts. Cause something to keep in mind, practice starts in July. Now, you know, they, they made the rule where if you don't do two a days, they're kind of incentivizing teams to get away from two a days. And so now you can start your practices in July, I expect Michigan to. They started uh, in late July last fall or last se- last year, so I expect that to happen, and that kind of shortens the off season. Probably a net good thing to ha- not have two days, based on the studies that have been out there about needing sleep, needing rest. Um, obviously, classes. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure where you fit two practices in if you're a, a freshman, you know, taking classes. But but yeah, so there's obviously you know there'll be there'll be some stuff I feel like the team can do. I, I don't know what the restrictions are as far as coaches watching film of practices or hearing talking to the coaches or to the captains, I should say, or the leaders. Um, so there'll be some. I don't think it's – I'm not sure if there was more to that question as far as, like, what I think. But um, And then final question, uh, just NFL prospect-wise, is Michigan doing Ben Mason a favor by pulling him away from the fullback role? That's an interesting question because I think they are. I mean, you know, we'll we'll jump into this. Ben Mason's one of my ten things I'm looking at this spring. Uh, let's. Well, I don't know if he is my number one thing I'm looking at, but he's up there. We're talking to Ben last week and and kind of sizing him up a little bit compared to the other defensive linemen that we've talked to. I don't think he's out of place. I think he's, I think he's more natural naturally fit on the defensive side of the ball. I mean. You've heard him, you know, we've talked about how physical he is, how much of a, of a football guy he is. And really, when I hear other players describe him, I hear a lot of Chase Winovich synonyms. You know, the guys, the dude screams when he's off the line. He, he never stops. Uh, he just has a, has a different kind of motor. You know, there's, there's, he's one of those people that when he's tired, he just revs it up even more, almost like a, he takes it personally that he himself gets tired. And so, so I think it, there's a lot of, a lot of reason to like him on the D line. You know, size is obviously one thing to keep in mind. Six three. Um, we asked him how much he weighs now. He said enough. <laughs> so, uh, I would guess probably around two sixty five. That's little, little on the smaller end for a defensive lineman. But at the same time, you know, maybe it's on the smaller end for an NFL lineman. But if he can be a Chase Winovich type of player as far as consistency goes, he can be productive. And I think Chase showed um, you can be productive. And, and if you're productive enough and you get yourself in good enough shape, then you can be, uh, you know, you can rise up the draft ranks. I think Chase is someone his fifth year and the exposure and being the star player like he was. I mean, he ended up moving from maybe a third or fourth round pick to what many believe will be a second round pick this year and in, in his fifth and final year. So, uh, yeah, he, probably doing him a favor. I mean, I can't think of too many fullbacks that get drafted. I don't think that's why they're doing it. I think, I think they've, you know, the defensive line being having a little bit less depth is part of it. I think, uh, you know, him continuing to put on muscle is part of it. I mean, again, kind of, 
there's some players who they just, you know, they develop muscle and add weight really easily. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Some players can't gain weight, and that's, you know, equally, you know, and so, so you move players from position to position. Michael Barrett, you know, I don't know. Maybe they like him more on defense, but my guess is that when he showed up and he was over 230 pounds, uh, they said, okay, maybe he can be productive as a linebacker. You know, that doesn't mean they're putting all the heavy guys on defense, but it just there's different positions that work for different players. Um, so, yeah, they're probably doing them a favor. I don't think, again, probably an indirect favor, not their not their main intent. Uh, so, anyway, that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. I want to see what he looks like because it's one thing to see him in drills. It's one thing to hear what the coaches and players have to say. It's another thing to see him in action, even if it is spring game action. Uh, so, anyway, some other things. Speaking of newness, I think that's going to be a common theme on this list. Uh, they've got eight early enrollees. Obviously, some of them, Gabe Newberg, David Ajabo, uh, you know, some of some of the other guys, Jalen Perry, they're probably not going to play as much. Cade, Cade McNamara, you know, they might not play as much this fall, although I don't think they took any, they didn't take very many early enrollees other than the quarterback who they didn't expect to play, uh, or at least compete to play. But obviously, Mike Sainer still, tons of hype around him rumors of him being one of the fastest players on the team it sounds like they're you know rel- relatively consistent you know uh, some people saw him at the seven on sevens the other day currently listed as a starting receiver while nico collins and Donovan people's jones are injured so he's going to be interesting i think they're going to try to cue him up to help continue that hype uh, continue to the fan excitement that's building around him eric all you know, I saw him at the at the open practice last week. Interesting position for him because I don't think he's big enough to be a tight end, but at the same time, uh, he keeps getting praise for his for what he's able to do. You know, I think Sharon Moore said the other day, a uh, suction suction mitts uh, for hands just catches everything, and you know he's he's got the height, he's got the reach, he's got the jumping ability to be maybe a slot type of receiver. You know, someone who's who's still going up against these linebackers, maybe does still lay down a block, but he's 220 pounds instead of 260. And so, you know, maybe it's a different kind of different kind of role. Uh, I'm curious to see where he reps in with that group. Uh, running backs, a huge one. Uh, you know, just so, so some other freshmen uh, keeping an eye on. You know, I think I think Ojabo's probably want the next one that I would be watching just because I want to I see what it looks like. You know, he's former track champion in the state of New Jersey, uh, you know, star basketball player, decides to play football, plays, played, what, 18 games of football in his career, and <laughs> he's he's ends up being a top 200 recruit. So uh, no, some other players that I'm keeping an eye on, I, I think other newcomers is very interesting because, you know, we lose – we, we saw Michigan lose some key starters on the defensive line, linebacker, and the secondary. So new people are going to have to step up on the defensive end of things. Uh, you know, it's your Vincent Grays, your Ambry Thomases, your Jameric Woods, who's gotten a lot of praise this spring, Brad Hawkins. Sounds like he's temporarily locked down that nickel position. All those guys, I think there's reason for Michigan fans to be excited. But at the same time, young secondary players... You never know. You never know when it's going to click. Uh, you know, when, you know, Jordan Lewis was not what he was until he was a junior. Channing Stribling, 
you know, kind of a junior senior type player. Happens, you know, you can go throughout the entire 21st century. Not everybody's a David Long Levert Hill. And so, and and uh, up front, you've got Aiden Hutchinson. I think he's he's mentioned last week earlier this week he's he's really on track for everything you know he's bulking up he has every you know frame uh speed size development characteristic of a future star you know uh luigi villain very interesting story i'm very curious to see what he looks like because he was a former top 60 recruit and then he missed two seasons to season-ending injuries and that kind of derailed things for him and and, you know, I was talking to Brad Hawkins about it a little bit, and uh, he mentioned just the imen- mental and emotional toll that it takes. You know, it's it's something that a lot of people might have quit. You know, I, I think more people than, <laughs> than would admit it. Uh, not everyone would admit it, but I think if you are going through this ringer, going through the, the pain, and then you have these two season-ending injuries and you have all this rehab, I think, I think you quit. For a lot of people would quit. A lot of people would just say, okay, I'll take my medical scholarship and just, just move on, rehab at my own pace, and let it go. But, you know, if you're not, that means that your aspirations are beyond college. And that means that you still think there's a shot at the pros. And I think the coaches don't let him, you know, they, they've given out medical hardships before. I think they gave one to Benjamin St. Juice this year. And so I don't think they would have, encouraged him to keep at it if they didn't think he could be really good so i'm curious to see what he looks like Uh, that's not from the coaches or anything that's just a personal conjecture of the situation you know and cameron mcgrone i think is another guy i think number one outside linebacker in our recruiting rankings uh you know fringe five star someone they weren't going to take a linebacker in the class but they had to take him you know i know steve steve wiltfong has sung his praises if you know Basically, he views him as a five-star recruit. So uh, very interested to see what he looks like because I think if things click for him, I think he can compete for a starting job. I don't think Josh Ross and Devin Gill have have locked anything down in that regard. So um, so yeah, I think think the, the newcomers on defense are very, very interesting. You know, other, other defensive linemen, they, they need a defensive line and and obviously the right tackle position as well. It's it's going to be interesting, you know. I think you you probably believe can buy in on Carlo Kemp and Quiddy Pay and Josh Uche when he's pass rushing. But other than that, just about everything's a wild card, you know. Dwemfor, not sure what his health status is. Harbaugh made it sound a lot worse than it probably was based on the fact that he played <laughs> or at least did some drills in the in the open practice like three days later so maybe he's good maybe maybe there's there's off and on tendencies there uh, Donovan Jeter looks slimmed down he looks like he's in really good shape I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's lost 15 20 pounds in a good way because I think he was he was someone that just needed a little bit more quickness to him to get off the line so you know there's there's people that seem to be trending up you know what but what, what do they do do they have a rotation? Do they get deep? We talked about this earlier in the week. Uh, Steve and myself did on, on that podcast. You know, is can are they going to go four deep? Are they going to go eight deep? Do they have top shelf talent? A lot of question marks in the air on, on the defensive line. Offensive line, not so many questions. Just kind of 
who's right tackle, <laughs> you know, and, and does everyone stay healthy? That's, that's really it. Uh, position with a ton of questions that I think is probably won't be answered in the spring game unless some players return from injury running back. I mean, right now they're only scholarship running back with that's in the rotation is Ben Van Sumeren, who's a converted fullback who didn't really play a ton at fullback. He's, he's as fresh faced as anyone, you know, true Wilson, very much a walk on plus, you know, he's been on scholarship before. I'm not sure. I know they do those semester by semester, so I'm not quite sure what the what the situation would be for him. But he's fine. But I, I, you know, he's I don't know if he's a lead back. I don't know if he's got all the capabilities, you know, to be a dynamic playmaking running back. You know, and then it's Julian Garrett. That's their three deep right now. Wilson, Van Sumer, and Garrett, and Julian Garrett, walk on, uh, rising sophomore from DC. I liked his film. You know, I went and looked looked at his huddle huddle film. I thought it was good, uh, but I'm also not a film guru, not an X's and O's. Well, I, not not really an X's and O's person, so hard to tell. Not a scout, that's for sure. So hard to tell. You know, if that's, I mean, he he was a walk on for a reason too. So, you know. Hassan Haskins, Christian Turner might be back. I'm not sure what their injury status is, but um, I know Harbaugh had alluded that they could return before spring ends, but they also might not have them do that. Might just say, okay, see you in the summer. You know, rest your legs. I think uh, Haskins has a hamstring. I can't remember what Turner's injury was off the top of my head, but, um, you know, it might just say, no need, recover. But that's, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious to see, you know, the, how much how much do they have guys run? You know, Jim Har- Jay Harbaugh said it's going to be a run-first offense still. But it's hard for me to believe that they don't have a scholarship running back who has had a carry right now in, in, their, in their two deep and that they're going to be run first. So we shall see. Interesting thing to watch. You know, other injuries. Uh, you know, I... If they don't play, they don't play. I think I mentioned this last week or maybe, yeah, probably last week after Jim Harbaugh broke down the depth chart. You know, spring injuries are just not, it's not a thing to, to, you know, get worked up about. It's not a thing to get panicked about. Now, you know, if someone right now requires, I don't know, surgery or an ACL tear or something like that, then maybe you're looking at it and saying, okay, you know, how's his development? But they don't, they have three weeks into the season. You know, they have Middle Tennessee, they have Army, and then they have a bye week. I mean, you could, they've got some time. And and I think the one injury that I think is worth keeping tabs on, because I think everyone else, I mean, they're, they're always extra precautionary in spring practice. You know, I remember I did the list of players who were injured, and I'm like, I feel like half of them were injured last spring, too. Lavert Hill being one of them. You know, I, I think Dwumfor has been dinged up before. Peoples-Jones has been dinged up before. So, but Peoples-Jones one is interesting. It sounds like it's it's something that they can't really operate on, but they also can't necessarily heal, and it's not healing in the, in the timeline that they hope. Um... I'm not sure, you know, how, 
how to phrase that differently, but it just, you know, when, when something hasn't healed in a while and then you, you kind of face this position, do you take the summer off and maybe lose a step and maybe you're not as in good a shape? It's a, it's a groin injury, you know, or, or do you keep training and keep it hurting and maybe never get to 100%? So it's a it's an interesting proposition. I'm curious to see what, what he decides to do, but we're not going to see that in the spring game or spring scrimmage or spring practice. Uh, but some of the other injuries, Nico Collins, Lavert Hill, Josh Ross, I think, was dinged up at one point. Devin Gill was dinged up at one point. So who... Who's back? Because I think anyone back for the spring practice is probably, you can probably check them off the list. They're not injured. Um, so we'll see. We'll see who's back. I guess that's it's not really a huge thing to to keep your, keep your eyes on or focus too much on. Another thing I'm really looking forward to, I mean, one position battle, because like they've got a few. Right tackle, defensive line, probably just a perpetual position battle, cornerback. You know, Vincent Gray, Ambry Thomas, uh, you know, Hunter Reynolds, Miles Sims, the Green Brothers. I think Jill and Kelly Powell's taking some snaps at corner. Those are interesting. But I think, weirdly, the most interesting one, and we might not see it, is that kicking battle. I mean, Quinn Nordine has the leg, has the NFL caliber talent, I should say, um, but hasn't hasn't been consistent all the time. Hasn't always shown it. Hasn't always been someone they can count on even for an extra point or for a 30-yarder. Jake Moody seems like he's Mr. Reliable but doesn't quite have the best leg. Or the, the as he doesn't have Nordine's leg, I should say. Because he hit, he hit a couple from, from long range. And it's not like Michigan's attempting 15, 50-yard field goals a year or, or 15, 40-yard field goals a year. You know, it might be one a game. I guess that's 12 or 13. But it's not it's not like all the time that you're doing it you know you don't necessarily need if you have someone who maxes out at 45 yards but hits you know 85 percent i think i think most teams in the big 10 would gladly take that i think most teams in the top 25 would take that so curious to see it sounds like nordine has matured that's from chris partridge he said that i I mean you know talk is talk uh but it's that's, that's an interesting battle because it does sound like it's dead even. And it does sound like Michigan isn't even sure yet how they want to approach it. it might That might go all the way into to August. They don't don't think they need to name their starting kicker early. But, you know, if they do any field goals, that's something I'll be watching. Be watching punt returner, kick returner. I doubt they're going to do them. But sounds like with Peoples-Jones out, sounds like Ronnie Bell has emerged. We asked Partridge if that was because they're taking less off, putting, taking some off Ambry Thomas's plate. He said no. He said Ronnie Bell's just really good at it, and so you know sometimes that happens. You get a little bit more experience. He's used to catching the ball, so it might be something to keep an eye on. Um, tight ends. I think the tight ends have a lot to prove. I think Sean McCune's probably on the Sean McCune and Kalee Hudson probably have the biggest prove it list. So keeping an eye on, on him, apparently hasn't dropped a pass all spring. That was from Sharon Moore earlier this week. Uh, you know, Nick Eubanks. I think he's he's got that he's got the tools. He's I, I would consider you know, he's got this whole toolbox, he's gotta to put the stuff together. You know, really fast, really tall. 
probably could have been a receiver if, if you know he had chosen for his body to go that direction so great downfield threat I think at one point like 80% of his catches were 15 yards or more I don't know if that stat totally holds up throughout the season but uh, they if he's gonna be on the field though he has to do more you can't you know with with Zach Gentry gone they're looking for a do-it-all kind of tight end Mustafa Muhammad could be nipping at the heels eventually. You know, we mentioned Eric All. Who knows? Maybe Luke Shoemaker has has a breakthrough. So curious to see how that how that looks and, and also how they use them. You know, Josh Gaddis, a lot of people think of, you know, the downfield threats. But they've they've used their tight ends pretty well at Alabama and Penn State. I believe both those tight ends are going to be first or second day NFL draft picks. And so, so they, they use the tight end. They, they like to throw more passes in the middle. I think Patterson's the kind of quarterback that can do it. Uh, but that new offense will be one, one thing to watch, too. And obviously, they're not going to show everything. And if they do, they're probably going to... I wouldn't put it past them to tell the defense, hey, ease up, let them score a touchdown, you know, give the fans something to get excited about. But, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be deeper shots. There's going to be crossing routes. There's going to be stuff in the middle longer developing routes, bigger plays. That was that was Penn State's move. Now they had great receivers and they had a, a quarterback who could make the throws and probably a little luck that went their way, but that was their that was Gaddis's MO as the passing game coordinator at Penn State, uh, co-offensive coordinator at Alabama, similar stuff. I mean Alabama went from 76th in the nation in passing to 6th in the nation in passing yards. So Clearly, we're airing it out a little bit more in, in Gaddis's one year. Not all him. Tua helps. Uh, so does Mike Loxley. You know, but, but at the same time, really, really juicing up that passing game. So curious to see what that, I mean, you know, I, it's going to be a scrimmage at most, controlled scrimmage, and there's going to be a lot of drills. Not quite sure. It sounds like they're going to stagger. A little bit they're going to have some of the starters go early on and maybe have some of the bench players close things up so i'll be really curious i mean you know i don't think they're trying to make this a spectacle like they have in the past it's not it's not the friday night lights it's not the maze versus blue it's not the you know this real you know pumped up thing it almost seems like michigan's just trying to get it over with <laughs> in in some ways you know i think they still want to still want to have the event and you know they're making it free and they happy to let fans come but not i think michigan is well they're listening to the do more say less fans <laughs> you know they're they're keeping it quiet keeping things closer to the vest um or keeping it lower profile i should say so yeah one more thing i'm looking at because i think i went through the entire list almost is the younger quarterbacks you know this is i i keep hearing it's like every week or so i'll hear someone say Oh, McCaffrey should be the starter over Shea Patterson. And my response is always, why? What McCaffrey played a couple drives against Notre Dame. He played, you know, a couple drives here and there in some other games. But he's been the backup ever since Patterson arrived. He has barely played in his college career. I, I I don't know. <laughs> that might be something. I'm curious to see what Steve's thoughts are, but I, I just think it's ludicrous 
and people are really excited about Joe Milton. And I, I get the excitement because they're both 6'5". They both have really good arms. But at what you know, this this will be the one time you actually get to see something with your own eyes and say, "Oh, I think they can do this." You know, Patterson ranked top twenty nationally in every efficiency quarterback rating thing last year. He didn't do well against Ohio State and Florida, but is there someone on the team that did? No, they got outscored by what a hundred and seven to to. Uh, you know, 45, 55, I should say, 53. No no one no one did well in those games. I can't think of anyone who did. You know, what, Will Hart? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, you know, but this is, you know, this is our first real look at what Joe Milton can do. Not our first real look at what Dylan McCaffrey can do, but one of the earlier looks. And he's coming off a collarbone injury so it's not like you know another guy coming back from injury be curious to see you know some other players I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Michael Barrett see what he looks like we haven't really gotten to see him very much you know Tariq Black I think is someone interesting coming off well he he came back from injury but I just it just never felt like he was all the way back he's someone so, so I'm keeping an eye on him as well you know Oliver Martin could play a really big role this year. He's, I assume, the favorite to replace Grant Perry. So yeah, that's who I'm looking at. That's the breakdown. Uh, I think the festivities start. I think they open up the the area for tailgating and stuff starting at noon. But they're gonna they're gonna start practice at five. I think about, probably about two and a half hours. Free event if you want to go. Uh, again, they're not. They're not trying to make it this huge thing. It's going to be on BTN to go online. So if you get cable, if you get Big Ten Network, I think you'll be able to get that. But should be interesting in some ways. Not going to pump it up as this huge reveal. And <laughs> I was joking earlier this week. I mean, when Harbaugh gives you the whole depth chart. There's not a whole lot to, to gauge from some of these practices. It's like, okay, well, we were just always trying to figure out who was starting and who was looking good. And Harbaugh just told us and who was injured, too. Um, but, yeah, been a lot of interesting spring storylines. Hopefully you enjoyed our coverage. We'll probably have some more. I think we're going to have some press avail- availabilities afterward because this is only practice number 12 for them. So yeah, be sure to jump on the Michigan Insider. Follow along. We'll have a live thread with, with a lot of comments, a lot of thoughts. We'll also you know, obviously have tons of stories after it. And we'll probably do a podcast because we're doing those for a lot of stuff now. <laughs> this is the third one this week. Uh, we're trying trying some things out, trying to increase it, have them be more focused, a little shorter too. So anyway, for... For 24-7 Sports, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. See you next week.